0: Hello and welcome to the J Rod Sports Pod with me James Robson and me Ollie Dix. So today Ollie and I are going to be having a quick look at all the latest sports news and headlines, including the NBA playoffs, the first week of the NFL games, and Novak Djokovic being disqualified from the US Open. So let's jump straight into the conversation that Ollie and I are having about sport this week. Right, so Ollie, let's start with the NBA then because the Bucks just about managed to hold on yesterday, didn't they?
1: Yeah, I mean, squeaky bum time at times. I mean, the game went to overtime. They lost uh, reigning MVP Janis to uh, his bad ankle to the point where he couldn't actually put weight on it. Um, and... Chris Middleton stepped up basically huge for them at the end of the game and in overtime to to secure the win
0: do we think I mean uh, so they, they're they now not going to be swept yeah. they're now 3-1 down to the Heat but the Heat didn't look like they were struggling to score it was a high scoring game and it. I just don't think that with Janice out they're going to be able to keep up that high scoring pace to stay with the Miami Heat.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I I think it will be over the next over in the next game, whether Janice plays or not. I think the Heat have shown that they can handle when he's on the court, um, and you know, if anything, it was probably a bit of a come down when he went off the court for the Heat. Um, but I think, yeah, Game Five will be a, a Miami win, and, and we won't have the number one seed in the East in the in the NBA Plus anymore
0: which will be mental yeah
1: I don't think it's happened that
0: often yeah but then looking at the one see the other side then in the west uh, the LA Lakers beat the Rockets in game two to level the series at 1-1 I mean the the social media poster board moment that everyone has probably seen by now is um, that LeBron block went miles yeah which (laughs) went sort of you know into the virtual stands I think someone in the virtual stands caught it yeah (laughs) Um, but I mean, Russell Westbrook looked like he was struggling a bit yesterday, and it seemed like the Lakers kind of found their groove a bit in this second game.
1: Yeah, I think you almost need a game against the Rockets to see how it works against them. They've got such a small lineup, and it's such a different lineup to what most teams will play. So, actually, that first game was probably good for the Lakers. Okay. It's not great that they lost, but it kind of felt like they figured everything out now and P J Tucker in game one against A D and LeBron looked like you know, the best player in the world. And in game two it looked like LeBron could run well, it looked like he was running downhill, if we're being honest, towards the basket. And yeah, I think that's
0: that's them done now, I think. You think the Lakers are now just going to walk away with it? I think they'll win three straight. Really? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the Rockets took another game. I think the Lakers will win. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's just one game where James Harden just turns When you're playing with streaky players, like Westbrook
1: plays well in game one. Great. Westbrook turns the ball over about 45 million times in game two. Then you are going to get punished.
0: So the Toronto Raptors have won two straight now. Uh, and they're now level in their series against the Boston Celtics at two apiece.
1: Yeah, so, like, normally we'd see, like... Okay, it's the Raptors would have been at home first in this, but you see a team go up 2-0, and then, actually, the team that's down then goes back home and, with their home fans, can rally, it like, back again. But we... And that's what we've seen, but without the fans.
0: And, I mean... That's why th- this this series is so entertaining to watch, because I think uh, every there was a lot of hype when Boston went two 0 up. Yeah, I thought it was over. Yeah, <laughs> and then now the Raptors have fought back. I can't see this not going the distance. Yeah, well, I mean it has to go Game
1: Six, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's it's hard to see one the Celtics losing four on the bounce, but then also like, yeah. So it it has to go to game seven, and I think that's this will be an incredible series to go to game seven because if we remember to last year, like there's that shot of Kawhi like squatting down, where the Raptors went to game seven against the Seventy Sixers, rattling around, and actually that was almost their closest series in the whole playoffs, and so it would be
0: interesting to see if they get a repeat kind of situation of that. So like. Uh- uh, over the whole NBA playoff we've discussed the fact that you've got to get series done early and it seems like in the bubble people are struggling to do that yeah. because they don't they can't generate that momentum with their fan base they can't feed off the energy that's in a stadium they've just kind of got to go in and into a slightly sterile environment which i mean makes for more entertaining playoff basketball i think because you strip out the advantage, and it's actually just player on player.
1: yeah, uh, this must be one of the f- first playoffs in a long time that at least one team hasn't lost a game in those first in like at least the first two rounds. We've seen the warriors and the Cavs, especially over the last like five or six years, go like twelve and0 to the finals. And then they start losing games because of the matchups and everything like that. Whereas now, like we've seen, like the books have already lost four, the Raptors have lost two, the Lakers have lost I think three, the Clippers have lost a fair amount as well. So actually, like we are looking at a very different playoffs, and I think that's why it makes it so hard to predict these things. I think our predictions sometimes are going off like what we'd expect to happen in a normal playoff series but we it's so hard to predict like how teams are going to show up
0: on these individual nights yeah definitely also we're not particularly good at picking winners anyways Mm. right so moving on to the nfl now Now, this is kind of going to be a bit i think it's going to be a slightly bigger nfl section than probably we're we're used to doing yeah because quite a lot has happened so um by Monday, all teams had to reduce their rosters to the final 53. So there were a few surprising releases. Uh, during the season, they can be expanded up to 55, but those two spots have to be call-ups from the practice squad. So I think, first up, let's talk about someone who I feel has had a really unfair run of things in the NFL. He's oh, been He's had 100%. one of the most... I want to say heartbreaking careers, but it's only three years long or something. Yeah. Um, Josh Rosen has joined the Tampa Bay practice squad. Now, Josh Rosen was a first-round pick. Yep. number 10. Number 10 for the Arizona Cardinals. T- In 2017. Two years three years ago. Yeah. Uh, spent two seasons there. Uh or was it one season there? A one, because then
1: they traded it away because they drafted Kyler. Yeah,
0: so he spent one season there, then moved to Miami. Yep. and was embroiled in a battle with Ryan Fitzpatrick and has now been traded to the Tampa Bay practice squad.
1: Well, he was released. Yeah, he was
0: released and then, and then picked up. And then
1: encouraged teams to not claim him on waivers because they would have to pick his contract up. And that wasn't something that teams wanted to do. And then bypass now. So now he's in the Tampa Bay practice squad. If a spot opens up somewhere else, he can basically go whereas if he was signed onto the 53 man roster he's then like stuck in Tampa. so i think him and his agent are very much like right we years are probably or opportunities are now numbered not that they were in high frequency before but they're now numbered so actually they can potentially do something and get him somewhere
0: where he can play. But it's not a bad place to be, is it? But also they can whack him in with Tom Brady for a couple of weeks or a couple of months and just hope he picks up some some of the magic because they're not vastly dissimilar quarterbacks.
1: No, I wouldn't mind keeping him there for two years. I just think... Because like Tom's contract is two years and if they don't win a Super Bowl in that time, I see them moving on from Tom. Who
0: else is in the quarterback room there?
1: Are they sign. I want to say Blaine Gabbert. Oh, uh, be it. Bruce Arians likes him. Right here we go. Some some quick podcast googling. Come on the Wi-Fi. Uh, Tom Brady, Ryan Griffin, Blaine Gabbert,
0: and then Rosen on the practice squad. So that's quite a lot of sort of quite experienced guys who Josh Rosen can learn from. So yeah. like I think that's a that's a good spot for him to end up, and especially it's like. He's essentially putting himself out there and marketing him and himself as everyone's backup. Hmm. You know, by being that good on a practice squad, means that if any, you know, if suddenly, say the Steelers lose a quarterback, they can just ring him up and he goes there. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he's he's available for everyone. Right, moving on then to Adrian Peterson. Uh, who's joined the Lions the, the, the Detroit Lions on a 1.1 million one year deal uh, he played for Darren Bevel when he was uh, at the Vikings so there's a bit of familiarity with the system there but I like this Adrian Peterson sticking around and, and again we've, we've discussed how these younger quarterbacks need veteran running backs to sort of take the load and take a bit of the pressure off their shoulders and this is someone that um, the Lions can turn to and just put a bit of weight on him and go. You know what? Let's just run the ball with Adrian Peterson and let him do his thing for a bit. Because you're not going to get massive, like snap counts out of him. You're not going to get, you know, fifty carries, yeah, thirty yeah. carries a game. You're going to get ten, but they're probably going to be quite high impact, which is going to take a lot of pressure off, off quarterbacks. I think as well the like. The big thing for me is
1: that so Ron Rivera, who's the Washington football team head coach, uh, who Adrian Peterson was playing for as of last week, came out and said that this was nothing to do with his ability to play. This was Washington having a stacked running back room and all he did was praise Peterson on his leadership skills. And I think Detroit hasn't exactly had a great running back group for a long, long time now and having that leadership in there and that advice and the knowledge that he knows is going to be great. I have do have one question for you. So Adrian Peterson is number five as an all-time rusher with 14,216 yards. Number four is Barry Sanders who I think was also a Detroit Lion for quite a long time uh, with 15,269 do you think he passes Barry Sanders? Um, What's that? Two years, do you think it takes? He's not going to rush for a 1,000 yards yeah. in this next year, I don't think. So, like, can he stick around and stay healthy for two years, even three? I'm really not
0: sure. I think we might be getting down to... He'll be... I think number of teams willing to pick him up is reducing quite
1: significantly.
0: Yeah, and I think if he has a... F- 800 700 yard season this season. I think he'll have to really scale back his volume next season, right? So, I think in total, he might have just about enough to overtake Barry Sanders, but I don't think he's necessarily going to get the opportunity to do that. Yeah, unlike I, w- like, I wouldn't be surprised if this is his last contract, really? Yeah,
1: which is sad because at times he did look like he could down as one of well it probably still is to some people one of the best rushers ever uh, when he was in his when he won his mvp with uh the vikings but like unfortunately has suffered over these last few years hasn't he yeah speaking of someone who i just want to give a special shout out to is frank gore his son played his first college game this weekend amazing gone and I think Frank's only goal is, okay, he's number three on all-time rushers and is 1,400 yards behind uh, Walter Payton in number two. Do you think Frank is trying to go for yards? Do you think he just enjoys playing? Or do you think actually he's just waiting to play against his son one day and then that will be it?
0: I think when you're number three on the all-time rushers list, actually, you're not too fast about that. Yeah, you've kind of got to that rarefied air where you don't care if you're number three or you're number two. Right, like yeah, no, you're fair. just you're just honoured to be mentioned in the same sentence as those guys.
1: And but would you say that's the only time you would mention Frank Gore with those guys? I would say he's someone who's got these yards, and sometimes you look at it and you go, uh, "How have you done that without staying in the league for almost twenty years?" You know, like he's just. Stayed healthy all these
0: years, but never been like the best back in the league. And I think that's there's certainly a lot to be said for that. There's certainly a lot to be said for the consistent day in day out, and that's why he has stayed in the league for so long. Yeah. You see these flash in the pan running about. I mean, you look at someone like David Johnson. Yeah. I think after David Johnson's rookie year, we all thought, "Oh my God, he's going to be the next Emmett Smith." Yeah. You know, his dogs called Emmett. <laughs> like that's who he modelled himself on. That's who he wanted yeah. to be. But is frank gore a hall of famer in your eyes i think i think he i think it would be a, one of the biggest snubs if he wasn't just purely out of production and how good of a human being he is yeah Right. <laughs> good okay um and then uh, the last sort of uh con uh the last sort of practice squad movement that we need to talk about or sort of smaller time contract that we want to talk about before we get onto the big money. Um, is I think this is probably going to go down as the greatest job in sports, the greatest contract in sports. I think everyone listening to this would take this job without thinking. So Josh McCowan is aged 41, and he's played for about 74 NFL teams, (coughs) and he has been signed by the Philadelphia Eagles as their emergency quarterback. So McCowan will live in Texas at home, and the Eagles will pay him $12,000 a week for him to stay in football shape, and if anyone gets COVID or anyone gets injured, they can call him up and be like, oh, we need you to come up to Philadelphia. I mean, I'd take
1: that. I mean, yeah, uh, I'm sticking with my comment as to I would like someone to message us if they wouldn't take that, because, I, yeah, I, what a job. What an offer. Imagine getting that through the post, or someone ringing you and going, we think this might work for you. But I think it's clever by the Eagles, because we know McCown
0: can learn a playbook but he's been there for the last couple of years so he knows Yeah,
1: well, yeah, but Carson Wentz isn't exactly your healthiest quarterback ever. Jalen Hurts is your new rookie quarterback. So actually I think like
0: something like that. It isn't the worst idea you've had um but especially considering Josh McCown coaches high school football loves, you know, he's got he's a football guy, isn't he? He's got a couple of, you know, he's got I think he's got four kids or something like it would be you'd have to sign him to some money to to entice him away from Texas and the Eagles have managed to find a way that they can keep a very experienced quarterback who's actually you know taken them through games in the playoffs and and been a, a bit of a stud for them yeah for sure to keep them keep him sort of involved but not necessarily paying big money so great great news for Josh McCown there but then moving on to the Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have signed Pro Bowl defensive tackle Cam Haywood to a four-year, $65.6 million deal, which is essentially a... Um, so that's an extension. It's an extension. So it's a five-year, $75.1 million deal, with this year included. I mean, they—they've all the, the number one thing that you hear about American football, the, the, the deeper you dive into it, is that the game is won on the offensive and defensive lines. And if you've got someone who's working for you and who's being productive and who's staying on the pitch, you just pay them.
1: I think consistently he has been one of probably the top five defensive tackles in the league for the past three or four years. And I think to shore that spot up with him is a great deal for them. Um, And going forward, I think it's great to have a guy
0: like that in your uh, locker room. And then uh, the Tennessee Titans have signed Jadavian Clowney to a one-year, $15 million deal. And in the contract, they've said they can't franchise tag him in 2021, so he will be an unrestricted free agent. So this is essentially a a very lucrative prove-it deal. He (laughs) will be on the market next year for people to pick up. I mean... They, I was surprised by this.
1: I didn't think anyone would, in the end, pay Clowney that much. And I think he was very much. They've said that he was waiting till after all the teams had, like, settled their rosters. Everyone had been who wanted to be collected on waivers had been collected. So then they knew their market and they knew how much he was worth. I'm surprised it was Tennessee. But do you think so? I think I still see. Tennessee as a dark horse in the AFC. I what? get that that playoff run last year was impressive and like the last few games, but I don't think you've probably seen enough to turn around and go, yeah, 100% they'll be back where they were. And I think this is a bit of a almost a win now. You've got to do what you can to to stay relevant and stay competitive, and I think that this is what this
0: is. But I mean, my the reason that I'm surprised by this move is that looking at tennessee last year i didn't sit there and go oh their defense needs another guy yeah you know if i was um if i was the titans gm which there are many many reasons why i'm not uh but i'd be looking at trying to saddle up some offensive weapons and and make the offense a little bit more explosive because that's essentially why you didn't make it all the way last year, is that because you, it was Derrick Henry or Bust. Yeah, and you couldn't hang with the high-powered, fast-moving offense and scoring, you know, fifty points a game, which is what you need to do to hang with the Kansas City Chiefs, which uh, uh, they're going to be your speed bump to getting to the Super Bowl for the next six years. Do you think Vrabel was an influence in this? Him being head
1: coach, like, and having that defensive knowledge of actually yeah. someone who can clowny who thinks or he's someone who can get me the production that I
0: need for the payday that I want. He's also a players coach. Yeah. Like, that's true. They like him. The guys like him. He's fun. He's young. He's you know, he's one of the guys and so I think that that it, it's a good fit. I'm just surprised that it was a fit that both sides wanted. Um but speaking of someone who is uh, you know, in competition with Kansas City. Um, Deshaun Watson has signed a four-year extension worth $156 million. He is averaging $39 million a year and is only paid less than Patrick Mahomes. But over the next four years, he will make more money than Patrick Mahomes because, as we discussed earlier on, Patrick Mahomes' contract is very back-heavy. Yeah. Um, I think the Texans the
1: Houston Texans needed some form of stability in their locker room and that comes with Watson and I think four years I think it's he's still got this year so in theory you've got him for the next 5 years I think that's good and I think that then gives him the opportunity to you know pay Houston back a little bit and then he then has the opportunity to go somewhere else if he wants to yeah or sign another mega money contract. Yeah. Because do you think then the the quarterback market will have gone up again more and you think he could potentially get Mahomes money in 5 years time just naturally because the QB market's gone up. Yeah. And
0: also I think he's talented enough to warrant that. Just if he gets the opportunity to get it.
1: Yeah. Um my question for this is does this make the Cowboys nervous about if they decide to pay Dak next
0: year? I mean, my difficulty with this, I just don't think Dak is as good as Deshaun Watson. No. And I don't think... I think we get so drawn into the next quarterback being paid is going to be the most like the most heavily paid. Or, you know, everyone wants to reset the market. Everyone wants to be the highest paid guy. But sometimes you've got to turn around and get actually just not as good as the guy who's just been paid. So... If he's being paid $39 million a year, you're not that? No, I get that, but I think what I, I think the
1: Cowboys will worry is that Mahomes and Watson have reset the market at $39, $40 million a year for a quarterback. So actually the Cowboys were only willing to give Prescott $33 million on four years. So actually, do they turn around now and actually a realistic number is more... 35 36 which is what Prescott wanted in the first place but for 5 years. So I think now like the Cowboys if they want him they are going to have to pay him that money. Yeah. I suppose I, we don't know if the Cowboys still want him or not do. We? That's <laughs>
0: the thing and I I think the jury's still out on on Dak and and we'll um, we'll wait and see how good he is. Right, moving on to the Buffalo Bills then because they've signed Tredavious White to a $70 million extension with $55 million guaranteed. He becomes the highest paid cornerback in the league um, the 27th pick in the 2017 draft and he was he finished with 58 tackles and had 6 interceptions last year Um, good signing you know it's one of those things that if you've got someone who's working well in your system and working well for you probably worth keeping
1: and probably well arguably I think the best cornerback in the league Consistently, the most interceptions in the NFL last year.
0: I mean, and his third. Stephon li- Gilmore won Defensive Player of the Year, and as a Patriots fan, I'm going to back him.
1: Well, yeah, I said one of. Yeah, one and of. arguably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm willing for an argument. Yeah, an argument. <laughs> okay, and I would probably always pick Gilmore as well because I think he's someone that you can, like, lock down your top wide receiver with. But I think Tre'Davious White in a. I wouldn't say Buffalo is a small market team, but it's not a big market team. Actually, to get him secure with, okay, yes, like market resetting money, I think it looks good because the cornerback market is one that just keeps going up and up and up. And there doesn't seem to be a level where it's going to stop. And I think that he's a very good signing for a Buffalo team that's focused primarily on their offense recently. I agree. But I I agree that Gilmore is better. Don't worry. Okay,
0: good. <laughs> I was about to say that. I mean I have to, we're I
1: mean we're going to have to argue about this next one anyway. So I
0: was about to say I'm going to have to start buying you a Buffalo Bills shirt. Um, okay. And then the Los Angeles Chargers. Have I signed, do look good in blue. <laughs> the Los Angeles Chargers have signed Keenan Allen to a four-year, eighty million dollar extension. Um, it makes the three times pro ball, three time Pro Bowler the second highest paid wide receiver in the league. Um. 1100 yards in each of the past three years and at 28 still in his prime I mean the Chargers are in the middle of a sort of quarterback battle to see who's going to take the the, um, starting job and if you're watching Hard Knocks it's very interesting uh, looking at how Justin Herbert has got what he's got to improve on and and how much he's got to learn and how Tyrod Taylor is so competent but he's one of three receivers with more than 300 catches and 3,700 yards. In the last three years. In the last three years. I just wasn't sure that he was... like He's one of those people that you forget about. What, well, it's because it's the Chargers? Yeah, He's because they I have think, about four people in the stands for yeah.
1: most games. And, and uh, it's not often that we say an L.A. team is small market, you know? Yeah. But I think the Chargers are, if he's anywhere else, he's widely regarded as one of the best receivers in the league, I think.
0: So does he make your top five? No.
1: <laughs> what is your top five now? My top five. Number five, uh Mike Evans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Number four, Devante Adams from Green Bay. Uh number three, Michael Thomas of the New Orleans Saints. Uh number two, which I know you won't like, uh Julio Jones of the Atlanta Falcons and number 1 DeAndre Hopkins of the or newly of the Arizona Cardinals.
0: Yeah, I don't like that.
1: No, and I know you wouldn't, but I feel strongly about Hopkins. And I knew I just don't that think you the would lo- pick I don't Jones.
0: I don't, I don't think the longevity is there for me to put him that high. I he's in my top 5. What would you Do Who, you
1: disagree with the other three as well?
0: Uh, there's one name that I'm going to put in there, but I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a throwback traditionalist. Right. It's got to be Larry Fitzgerald.
1: No. We're, we're not, not f-
0: saying all time. We're saying production now. I know the there's has that has ridiculous. Guy, the guy has, you has say more tackles, tackles than drops <laughs> than drops in his NFL career. <laughs> no. As a wide receiver. You, if you were that's, drafting,
1: that's unbelievable. If you were drafting, an wide receiver, you would not draft larry in your top five
0: no probably not but he's got like he de- he deserves more than he gets no, um, I give you that. julio jones definitely number one that i mean i still look back to that catch that he made in the super bowl against the oh, patriots 100% agree. and it's if it wasn't for julian edelman's catch about two minutes later it yeah. will. It would have gone down as one of the greatest catches in in history. Um, so I've got ten names for you, and you tell me if they make
1: your list or not. Okay. And then you can give a top five when I've given you even more names.
0: Because this is off the cuff for me. Yeah. You've had a look at this, and I, I'm sort of uh,
1: reacting. To o- Obj, Odell no. Beckham Jr. Um, Chris Godwin or Goodwin of the Buccaneers. No. Keenan Allen, we've just spoken about him, obviously in his production. Mike Evans is already in my top five. Amari Cooper. Mm. We've got Devan. I've got Devante Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill. Oh yeah. Yeah, and Julio, and then Michael Thomas. They're the top ten, and then the ones that they this uh, CBS, maybe their one day sponsors. If we shout them out. Stefan Diggs, Kenny Golladay, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, Alan Robinson, Robert Woods.
0: Okay, I'm going to put Julio Jones at one. Yep. Tyreek Hill at two. Hopkins at three. Michael Thomas at four. And Mike Evans at five just That's because like Tyreek Hill has the level of speed that if he wants to if he he can get open in any situation I yeah. don't think it's I, I actually don't think it's possible to guard him unless you and, and the reason one of the reasons that it works is because if you do want to guard him you have to leave so many other players open Yeah, that actually that is the one of the best things that a wide receiver can do I is, would is yeah. draw at least a double team. And I mean there have been times when he's made catches with three or four guys around him. You know, they're playing zone and, and suddenly he's got, you know, two cornerbacks and a safety on him. Yeah. The thing that
1: I would say is why I didn't put Tyreek Hill in is I don't see him as a wide receiver. I see him basically as a floater. He is the only player in the NFL that can do what he does. Mahomes could hand it off to him and he could probably run circles around everybody. You could dump it off to him. He could probably line up as a tight end <laughs> and do something that makes you go well. But I agree that like you can't if you defend him up front, he will outrun you. And if you secure your like the touch the um end zone with like your safeties and your cornerbacks back there Mahomes will dump it off and he will run round you until he's in the end zone yeah so he he
0: is I mean he is almost pipping Julio to my top spot oh wow that means a lot to you as well doesn't it yeah <laughs> right and now the last bit of NFL the last bit of sort of roster related NFL news that we've got to make is uh, Mitchell Trubisky has beaten out Nick Foles for the starting job in Chicago so well done you're going to lead a team to a losing record. Congratulations. No, I reckon they go 9-7. Oh, wow. <laughs> <You've> <laughs> when you're always so playing far. the Lions. You've gone so <laughs> far the other way. Yeah, the Lions with Adrian Peterson. Yes, we've just discussed it. You said he
1: was getting the ball 10 times in the game. That's 10 touchdowns <laughs> against the, against the uh, <laughs> what this Bears' defence. I know there's not much confidence in the Bears through anyone, but I will always back. Khalil Mack and the Bears defence, because that hasn't been bad for a long time. It's their offence that's been god-awful. What this does give me confidence in is that I think this will have improved Trubisky. You've forced him to... You've put him in a very uncomfortable position. You've put Foles there, who is going to push him, because Foles has always been regarded as a backup and never really had the opportunity to be a starter consistently. And now you have a Trubisky that's beaten somebody out of significance for the first time in his career, and hopefully that improves his standard of play. Clutching at straws. Well, you have to, don't you? Surely. I'm just trying to be devil's advocate as to you being the losing record boy. Nah, no, just I. Uh... Hopefully they've turned the corner, but I still think Green Bay wins that NFC North.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's a. I think I don't think they're gonna get. I I think they're gonna lose both games against the Lions. This <laughs> we we will have to discuss. we. I think on Friday
1: we need to do some predictions of each division and each conference and see what re- extortionate predictions you come up with.
0: Yeah, but I but I I don't really go for like the nine and seven.
1: No, my 9 and 7 was basically just assuring
0: that it's a winning record. I don't really go for that. I go for like, oh, that team's going to go 14 and 2, and that team's going to go 2 and 14. Right, okay. (laughs) We'll set a limit
1: on no hedging, like no sitting on the fence. Yeah. You can't have less than 10 wins.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Right, and now the the kind of last bit of... um, NFL news before we get to the game on Thursday night. Roger Goodell has come out and said the NFL is prepared for teams to not play 16 games uh, with COVID around. So if we have an outbreak, that's going to be driven by medical decisions, not competitive decisions. And the daily testing for COVID will carry on until further notice. The NFLPA has pushed for this. The NFL is obviously pushing back because of the cost, but I think especially with how uh, good the testing has been for the NFL and how um, well they've dealt with the issues that have come up. I think the NFL sees it as quite a positive media story that they can spin saying, Oh, we're testing, we're doing everything we can. This is how you know, sure. they're a model of how teams can operate. Non bubble. Yeah. Um, so that that's good and, and hopefully those decisions will be those medical decisions will be made for the safety of the players because like at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Yeah.
1: What they have said as well is that players can't go into their facilities the day after a game. Yeah. To basically give time for any symptoms to show, and then actually you don't infect an entire team. So it'd be interesting actually how teams work with a, an even shortened week, especially if we're going to have Thursday night football.
0: Yeah um and so moving on to Thursday night football I mean first of all let's just quickly um apologize to our girlfriends for the fact that there will not be a Sunday night now and without football until February so 22 weeks straight of NFL on on Sunday night Woof. um so sorry for that we don't make the decisions we just watch it <laughs> um but okay Thursday night game uh it'll be Friday morning for us obviously um so we we will have recorded the podcast before the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Houston Texans. Um, I'm going to say that I think the Chiefs are going to not walk it, but I think p- plus ten,
1: uh, plus or minus forty points from the Chiefs.
0: Minus. Really? I, I think it'll be like I think it'll be like thirty-five twenty. Like 35, 21, something around there. Like, still a big points score. Yeah. But not, I, d- I just don't think they've had enough reps to be quite the full explosive. I think that will be why
1: they score so much because there's no way that Texans defense is like, oh, yeah, well. But you're still saying Chiefs. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I don't think there'll be many people that say the Texans.
0: the last bit of sports news and we appreciate that we had a bit of a long NFL stint there for about half an hour but it was a good chat yeah it was a good chat hopefully you didn't come just for the Djokovic stuff but here we go let's (laughs) talk about it now Um, so Novak Djokovic has been disqualified from the US Open after hitting a uh, line judge in the throat with a tennis ball Um, it was sort of in anger after he um Lost his serve, but and I mean we're not we're not trying to defend his actions. They were stupid. They were unacceptable and don't really don't have a place in in tennis. But it wasn't malicious. It wasn't intentional. It was an accident. Um, you kind of think that the main judge don't George want to sound like a- would have been given a yellow card by Mark Flattenberg. Yeah. Uh It looked like she
1: was almost smiling when she was on the floor. The way she fell was just a bit like dramatized. you know, I'm not saying she had it out for him. I'm just saying he would have got disqualified, whatever reaction she made, but I think she maybe went a bit overboard. You remember when David Louise got kicked and he went down and then he was and then there was a picture of him. From the side that the referee couldn't see and he was smiling. Yeah. Yeah, that's what
0: I equate this to. I actually saw a really interesting tweet about this whole incident from um, Nick Kyrgios. Yeah. He was like, imagine how many years I would be banned for if I did this.
1: (laughs) <laughs> if that just dude just wanted to make it about him all the time, does not it? Why has it got to be about him now?
0: But I was like fair enough you yeah. you'd get like a tear. Tea he he wouldn't have hit her though.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> not that I think Djokovic True. meant to hit her.
0: But Djokovic can't miss. Yeah, that's
1: that is the thing. <laughs> that does make you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah. How on purpose it was. Yeah. Um
0: but I mean, I mean in all seriousness like the um, it's a good rule to have, I think. They had no option. It protects the line judges. Yeah, I mean, this has happened before. Like Tim Henman got disqualified from Wimbledon for uh, hitting a ball girl. David Nalbandian was disqualified from Wimbledon for kicking a advertising hoarding into a line judge. It's one of those situations where, you know, as soon as it happened, it was an open and shut case. Um, I think it keeps the integrity of tennis. Yeah always one of
1: the things that keeps it what I would say now is this US Open is wide wide open open.
0: like country mile wide and I mean who who do you think is your uh, favourite now?
1: I think most people's favourite would be Dominic Thiem I think his world rank being number three in the world he's number two seed at US Open he's number three in the world I think Federer's four Nadal's two Djokovic is one um, I think you have to You do. I think most people would have expected Djokovic and him to face each other at some point and most likely in the final Um, and yeah I think you have to go with the what you would say is the in-form favourite especially with the likes of was it Zverev yeah, yeah.
0: I, I'm I'm kind of leaning towards Zverev really I just think, actually, now when everyone's going to be looking at you to win the US Open, which is what essentially is going to happen for Dominic team. The pressure's on.
1: Yeah. I am one of the pressurers.
0: Yeah, and it, but it's a situation where he's not, as far as I know, he's not a major winner. He's not a slam winner yet. And so that makes it very difficult for me to say, you're going to handle the pressure of being the presumed number 1 ranked player in the in the um in the tournament uh and actually maybe having that position where you're not you're not as um pressurized is going to be quite freeing for zverev he's got uh koric now of um croatia who won in straight sets against uh thompson but i mean i think that's that's uh, you know, he you know is very of one in straight sets, six two six two six one, so as a round four game to lose five games overall. You're you're doing pretty well there.
1: Yeah, I think so. Team has reached the Australian Open final in twenty twenty, but lost there, and then reached the French Open final the last two years. So I think he's got a monkey on his back that he'll be quite happy to get rid of. Um, and whether Djokovic was playing or not, I think he'll be quite determined to, to to stop that and move on.
0: And can we just discuss quickly that so I'm on the US Open website at the moment, and they've got the the, the draw of the men's singles. But as you as you go through the rounds, they've also got the prize money you get. Gosh. So winning a round four match takes you from two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to four hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. Yes, and winning the final is—you know—if you're a runner-up, you're one point five million, and if you're the winner, you're three million. And if you lose in the semi-final, you're eight hundred thousand.
1: Yeah, but you don't really want to lose, that, do you?
0: No, but what I'm saying—not even saying, for
1: the money's sake.
0: What I'm saying is that that's a lot of—that's a lot of cash. Sixty-one grand to lose in the first round. Did
1: you see Serena Williams?
0: Sixty-one thousand pounds, was thousand dollars to lose in the first round. Yeah. I could lose in the first round. Right, yeah,
1: but could you qualify? <laughs> no, <there> sorry
0: <was> <laughs> about
1: like that. Uh, Serena Williams, when uh, her I believe her hus- husband, yeah, and their uh, little baby were in the crowd, and she, they had their face masks on. I oh, thought it was very cute. That was my top moment of the U.S. Open so far.
0: Well, the interesting thing about the U.S. Open is because. Um, obviously, they've got no fans in the stadiums. They've got no VIPs in the stadiums, but they've got loads of boxes in the in the top stadium. In it the looks like, stadium. like bedrooms. Yeah, so they've got players' rooms are in there. I think that's good to so have like, some people watching. So, like uh, when they were when Murray was playing his five set the other day, um, people were just like like watching, sat on their balconies, yeah, scouting, sat, sat on their balconies. I can't remember who it was. It was um, Oh who was it? Yes.
1: Jadavian Clowney will wear number 99. A <laughs> bit like Lee Mack wearing 999 on the <laughs> back of his shirt for Sports ahead last night. That's funny. Uh,
0: Who was it?
1: What else is going on in the world that I can fill. We talk about... Um, this, is a completely f-
0: uh, this is a completely unnecessary Google as well. Phil
1: Foden and no is way. it Mason Greenwood being cut from the England squad for... Bringing girls back to the hotel yeah, in you Iceland.
0: That? And you, Have you seen the Snapchat? Oh, no. There's like Snapchat footage of these girls. Right. Well, it's on the, these girls' Snapchat.
1: Manchester City's Riyad Mahrez and uh, Laporte have tested positive for COVID-19.
0: It was Tsitsipas. Uh
1: Newcastle have Guys. signed Callum Wilson from Bournemouth.
0: Hang on, hang on. The J-Rob Pod fans want to know that it was Stefan Tsitsipas who was watching Andy Murray from his suite.
1: Right. Do you think <laughs> Serena Williams or uh Naomi Osaka will win the US Open? Uh
0: Serena. Right. Yeah, it's another Ineos situation where I'm just not gonna bet against her until she starts losing. Okay. Right, are we are we good to wrap up now?
1: We are. I did see a stat though, but I don't know if I'm gonna have time to find this about James milner the last time James Milner played against Leeds or for Leeds in a Leeds United Premier League appearance, he was 17 and he will now play against them for Liverpool. Someone in that same game is now aged 53. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's how long it takes for uh, you to get rid of James Milner in the Premier League. There we go
0: right so thank you very much for listening to that um episode of the j rod sports pod the first half was pretty tight and pretty well organized and pretty well executed and then um let us
1: know which half you preferred All went to we could keep doing this on the swing podcasting and just yeah, well, talking about everything that's on BBC Sport
0: all went apart in the last 10 minutes or so um, but uh, we hope you enjoyed it and so tomorrow we will have our F1 pod with our special guest host Sam Courtie but tonight we will have the J-Rod Tour pod looking back at a flat as a pancake stage from the Tour de France so until then please make sure that you subscribe Follow us on social media and let us know if there's anything you want to hear.